One of the slides that Julie was showing us had those four ladies in it, Nikki Flanders. And what was, what was the lady who uh, started that ministry that they're involved in? What was her name again? Yes, Yesenia. Did I say that correctly? Yesenia. Yeah, and, and that's, when I, that's when I started thinking about this text and about what, what makes all this kind of stuff happen? I mean, here's this lady from, where is she from again? Nicaragua, who uh, it's, it's on her heart to go to uh, Senegal and to, to minister to the, especially to these Taliban children and uh, boys and, and others and to bring the gospel there. And then, you, then the, the Lord's leading the, the Flanders over there and, and the Austins are over there and he takes Randy and Julie over there and things are just happening, right? They, uh, uh, there's movement and, and disciples are being made for Christ. Wow. There, there's, a, there's a force, that's the point of what I'm saying here, is that there's, there's something underneath that's empowering and moving all of these things together. Uh, it's not just individuals wanting to do their own things. God is, is motivating and moving and bringing about results and relationships. And, and people are bringing praise to God who never did before a God who is worthy of all praise and all of our praise. What, what's going on? The vine is producing fruit. That's what's going on. And that's what I want to talk to you about briefly tonight from John 15. And I'm just going to, I'd like to read verses 1 through 8 and then a couple of points from this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does, does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in, the, uh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This vine language started all the way back in the Old Testament. Uh, and in the Old Testament, Israel is identified as God's vine, a vine that He planted. Back in Psalm 80, for example, verse, verses 8 and 9, we read, You, that is God, brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. So Israel is a vine that God planted, a grapevine. 
Then in Isaiah chapter 5, one of the key vine texts, verses 1 through 7, we read this. Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 7. This is God now singing about His vine. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning His vineyard. My beloved, I guess this is Isaiah singing. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Uh, I remember uh, John MacArthur speaking about this one time in chapel when I was in seminary at the Master's Seminary, and he, he gave the, uh, the Hebrew word for wild grapes. The Hebrew word is, uh, is be'ushim, which has a bad sound to it all by itself, doesn't it? It's one of those words you don't easily forget because it just sounds blah, blah. Be'ushim. He looked for grapes and it yielded Be'ushim. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. Now this is, this is God speaking. What, was, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield Be'ushim. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold an outcry. Uh, So Israel is God's vine, producing wild, inedible grapes. Uh, Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, uh, said that over the, over the door of the temple, of Herod's temple in that day, uh, was carved a golden vine with clusters of grapes as large as a man. Uh, so, and that's because uh, the, the symbol for Israel was the, vin- the vineyard, the vine, the grapevine. But in the Old Testament, we see that God's vine is facing judgment because it was producing worthless grapes. Cries of distress were coming instead of righteousness, bloodshed instead of justice. What is God saying to us? God is saying to us something more is needed. There was no... There was no power. There was something wrong. God had done everything uh, that reasonably could be done for a grapevine for His people to produce good grapes if it was within them to do it. Uh, But that's the problem. It wasn't within them to do it. Something more is needed. 
And God says, I will provide the more. And Jesus comes then and says, I am the vine. You see? I am the vine. I am the more that was needed. Israel was never the final story. Israel was a picture. Israel was a picture of, of humanity in Adam and what humanity in Adam can produce, which is not good. It's not the fruit that God requires or deserves. But Israel is also a picture of the coming Christ who is the true vine. So as we talk about this true vine, I want to give, I want to give uh, some descriptions of what fruit-bearing branches actually look like. And as I do, I want you to consider this. Am I a fruit-bearing branch because branches that bear fruit show that they are connected to the vine who is Christ? That's what's required for human beings to produce the fruit that God requires, the fruit that God deserves, the fruit for which He made us, they must abide in the vine, be connected uh, to the vine. So what are some of the descriptions of fruit-bearing branches? The first one I want to mention is this, that they have, I'll say it and then I'll explain it, okay, because you won't maybe understand what I'm saying. They have a vital versus a formal connection to the vine. A vital connection versus just a formal connection to the vine. There are two types of branches that are mentioned here in John chapter 15, and both are identified as being in me, that is in Christ. In verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Both are in me. One bears fruit, the other does not bear fruit. The one that does not bear fruit is thrown away, cast away into the fire and burned. The one that bears fruit, he prunes, so it bears more fruit. Now don't overly complicate that. When Jesus says, in me, don't think, well, by in me, he means Christians. So there's non-fruit-bearing Christians and there's fruit-bearing Christians. That's not what he's saying. There are those that have a formal connection with Jesus, but not a vital one. Those are in me also, Jesus says, not in the way we would talk about being in Christ, but they are connected with him, but they're not, uh, they're not drawing from the sap. They're like a dead branch on a tree. They're on, it's on the tree, but it's dead. It's not producing any leaves. It's not producing any acorns. It's not producing, producing any anything. It's a dead branch. We would say it's connected to the tree, but it does, it's not drawing life from the tree. That's the kind of branches he's talking about that are in me, but that are fruitless. And that he cuts away. Then there are the branches. Those, those, those have a formal connection. Uh, that is, we technically say they're connected, but they don't have a vital connection, by which I mean a living, life-drawing connection. The branches that are bearing fruit are the ones uh, that are drawing that life from Jesus. 
in John chapter 15, an, an example of, a, of one in Jesus, a branch in him that is not bearing fruit that is going to be pruned, is Judas. Jesus had his 12 disciples. They were connected with him. They followed with him. But one was a dead branch. And it would be, it would be cut off. In fact, back in chap, just in chapter 13, you know, Jesus, um, in verse 27, this is really a haunting verse. They're at the Last Supper, and it says, Then after he had taken them, after um, Jesus, Jesus dipped a morsel of bread into the cup of wine, and he hands it to, to Judas. And it says, after he had taken the morsel. There's some significance there. I don't quite know exactly what it is. But after he had taken the morsel, he, um, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what, are you, what you're going to do, do it quickly. And he goes out and he betrays Jesus. And then Jesus says, there are those branches in me that are pruned, that are, that are taken away, rather. Not pruned, but taken away. Judas was one of those. And, and so, here even tonight, I would say every, every one of you here tonight are in a sense connected with Jesus. Uh, he might say in, in the way he talks in John 15, you are in Him. Some, some of you children, uh, you're here, you're part of the body, you're part of the fellowship, you're part of Grace Church by virtue of your parents being part of Grace Church. But are you connected to Jesus? You might be in the church, but not in Jesus. Some of you adults may be the same way. You've, maybe you've been in Him in that sense for many years. But you don't know what it is to bear the fruit of the vine. You don't know what it is to experience the life of Jesus. And there is a real warning here that in the end, those who are merely connected formally but not with a living, life-giving, life-changing connection, that in the end they will be cast off and thrown into the fire and burned. And this is an opportunity tonight. This is a, this is a time tonight to consider whether you have a living connection with Jesus because there is hope for you yet. A real, a vital connection versus a formal connection. Let me, uh, let me give briefly a couple more descriptions here. Uh, those that have a vital connection, those that are in Jesus and drawing life from Jesus, the Father prunes. Now that's different from being the branch being cut off. To be pruned means things that are in your life that are sucking energy from the fruit are being cut away. It's a disciplining process. 
uh, when early uh, in my homeowner days, uh, the house we bought had some rose bushes in them, and uh, rose bushes are a bear to tend. Uh, they're, they're also a bear to dig up if you ever try to dig one up, but they are a bear, they are a bear to tend. You gotta stay on top of them. You gotta keep pruning them. Uh, rose bushes, like, like most other plants and trees, they produce, they produce these little branches that are not gonna do anything good. You know, they're, just, uh, they're not gonna really contribute to the beauty of the plant very much. They're not gonna contribute to, uh, fruit of the plant very much, and they're just taking up life. My dad called them suckers. I don't know if Liz, is that what everybody else calls them too? They're suckers. You gotta, you gotta cut the suckers off. Uh, so that more of the, of the sap, more of the life energy can go into the branches that are gonna be the ones you really want to bear fruit. The, the good ones, the big ones, the ones that, uh, the ones that are really pretty. And so you gotta, you gotta, Cut the suckers. Well, there are suckers in, uh, in the lives of Jesus' true disciples. There's suckers in your life and my life. And those that are in Jesus truly experience the disciplining process of the Lord, and that is a pruning process, but there's a good purpose for it. It's so that you can go to Senegal and make disciples of Talibay boys. Or so that you can love your wife or love your husband in a way that those around you say, wow, where does that come from? Or so that you can, so that you can bring praise to Him in the body of believers and, and visitors are here and they say, surely God is in this place. There, you have a purpose for your life if you're, if you're one of His disciples, and that is to produce something beautiful, something God-glorifying, something that He Himself looks at and says, yes, that's why I planted this vine. It's not baushim. It's sweet-tasting. It's sweet-tasting grapes. Those that abide experience that pruning, and they say, it hurts, but thank you. Thank you, God, because the Father disciplines those He loves. He prunes the fruit-bearing plant. And these plants also, it's the last thing I'll say about, about these branches that abide in the vine, the, the branch that that is living and connected with Jesus vitally, they persevere. They persevere. That's what, that's what the word abide means. And it's, it's throughout this passage. Look, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. Uh, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branch, whoever abides in me and I in him. Uh, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words, abi and my words abide in you. Verse 9, abide in my love. Verse 10, abide in my love. My Father's commands 
they obey, they keep, they have kept my, as I have kept my Father's commands, excuse me, and abide in His love. Abide, abide, abide. The Greek word means remain. To stay in. The emphasis here is on continual dependence and constant reliance. The underlying reality here is that true believers find that Jesus is enough. That's where they draw their sustenance and their life-giving support. Adam, back in the garden when he took that fruit from the forbidden tree, in essence was saying, God is not enough. Israel, in worshiping the Baals of the land, concluded that God was not enough. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul identifies covetousness as idolatry because when we covet other things besides God, we're saying He's not enough. And we become idolaters. But abiding in the vine is saying, since Christ is my life, I don't need to get drunk to live. Because Christ is my life, I don't need to look at internet pornography in order to live. Because Christ is my life, I don't need to be a glutton to live. I don't need to have more money to live. I don't draw my life either from my children, from my family, from being needed, from my career, from man's approval. Even good things, I don't, I, I enjoy them, I rejoice in them, I give thanks to God for them, but I don't live, I don't draw my life from them because I draw my life from Christ in whom I abide. And then he begins to to move us around and to do things with us that, that are sweet tasting. He cuts off those suckers. That's what, a, that's what an abiding, that's, that's what it is to be one who abides in the vine who is Jesus. So the question tonight is, in closing, is your life producing good worshipful, God-exalting, God-glorifying, Christ-like, Christ-honoring fruit. So not, not perfectly. You need to be pruned. We all need to be pruned. But is, but is that the characteristic quality of your life? Or if God were to come tonight, if Christ were to uh, come and stand in our midst tonight, and may I say, Christ is in our midst tonight. That's what the Holy Spirit's presence is all about. Would He look at your life and say, that's, that's Belshim. But if, if that's the case, listen, there is, there is that warning that you, uh, that on the last day, if that's, if that's the reality of your life, you will be cut off and cast into the fire. But it's not the last day yet as far as we know. And that means there's an opportunity here. 
to go deeper, to find yet that life in Jesus. And the way, the way into the vine is the way anyone comes into the vine. It is an act of gra- the grace of God through repentance and faith. Turning from all of those things that we seek our life from and turning to Jesus instead and finding that He is who He promised He would be, the true vine, the true life-giving vine. Trust Him. Rely on Him. Trust that He gave His life on the cross, that He poured out His blood on the cross in order to pay the sin debt that you owe, in order to bear the curse that you deserve, in order to to be burned, as it were, with the eternal fire in order that you might live forever unto Him. Trust Him and His work for you. And live and abide. Let's pray.